We'd like to say good morning to each of you. We want to especially welcome the large number of visitors that we have today. We consider you a special guest and you honor us with your presence here. We would encourage you to come back and be with us at each opportunity. Before we get into the lesson this morning, I wanted to bring you greetings from our brothers and sisters in India. They had sent a message uh, regarding their sentiments for the year end and all of the blessings that they had received through the support of the evangelistic efforts in India for the year. Similar to the letters that Brother Benny or the notes that he read this morning, next Sunday we plan to give a financial report and we'll go over some of these gifts and some of the levels that we've been able to support evangelism in 2019. Looking forward in 2020, we have a special need in India. Uh, the opportunities for evangelism continue there. And our evangelists need vehicles to carry the message of Christ out to rural India. We've had the blessing of using two Toyota midsize SUV four-wheel drive vehicles in the past. The older of those vehicles is nine years old, and it's went over 170,000 kilometers. It's not dependable any longer, and we're really needing to replace that vehicle. We're going to need $45,000 total to replace and buy a new vehicle. These vehicles are expensive to purchase initially, but because of the road conditions and the necessary four-wheel drive and things like this, that these are the most efficient, least expensive per mile cost because of their durability and the fact that they can go over any of the roads, any of the terrain, and get to the places that need to receive the gospel. We would like to offer everyone an opportunity that wants to participate in this. This is a larger amount of money that's not something we can handle with our general budget. If you would like to make a donation and help with this, if you would put it in the contribution plate as it comes by, mark it for India, or hand that to me or one of the other brethren of the congregation, and we'll get that routed to the right place. We're going to mention this for about three Sundays so that people will have time to plan and if you can do something above your normal contribution, it will really make an impact to give these evangelists in India what they need to go forward with their work. We're so thankful for the generosity of the congregation and for the heart that everyone has toward uh, funding and spreading the work of the church, not only here locally or here even in, in the United States, but as we have opportunity worldwide. This morning, as we begin our thoughts for the scriptural study, I want to read some statements. These are statements that I would like for us together to determine whether these statements are true or whether they're false. And then we'll get more into some scriptures following that. The first of these statements, God ordained an annual religious observance of Christ's birth on December the 25th. When it comes to any subject of religious activity, especially to doctrinal things, 
There's only one place we can go to determine if something is true or false, and that's the Scriptures. God has thoroughly furnished us and has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness within the covers of this book. So as we look at this statement and we try to determine if this is true or false, we have to refer back to the Bible. And I will share with you this morning, you can read the book cover to cover and you'll never find the word Christmas within the Bible. You will find no reference to a special celebration, religious celebration of Christ's birth. There's no declaration from God through commandment or example to religiously observe December 25th or any other day as the birth of Jesus. This is a very confusing subject for people who are striving to follow God. We need to look to God's Word and we need to determine how this falls and, and where we should stand according to this issue. Some people ask, why do y'all at Northwest Church of Christ not adjust your services and have some kind of special service to observe holidays like Easter or Christmas? We need to look to God's Word and to determine what our religious practice should be. And if we all look at the information and are honest, then we'd have to answer that this is false. If it's not in God's Word, it did not come from the mind of God. Here's a companion statement. Man ordained an annual religious observance of Christ's birth on December the 25th. If this religious activity is outside of the Scripture, then it would logically mean that it had to come from somewhere else. When Jesus dealt with the Pharisees in Luke chapter 20, He was referring to the baptism of John, but He said, Is it from heaven or is it from men? Again, if we want to determine true doctrine and what God wants from us, then we have to determine, is it from heaven or is it from men? And I will tell you today, as you research and look back, not only does it logically make sense that this came from the mind of man, history tells us in the 4th and 5th centuries, man began to practice religious activities within the church associated with what they call Christmas. So if we're honest, we have to see that this is not a holy day in the mind of God, but it is a holy day in the mind of men. Here's another statement that we need to determine. Is it true or is it false? God ordained an annual religious observance of Christ's death on Easter Sunday. We can use the same process to determine God's will and His doctrine with regard to this statement. And we will find again that it's false. Did man ordain an annual religious observation of Christ's death on Easter Sunday? The answer to that is that it is true. And so as we look at these questions, and we're going to look at a little more detail, but we have to be honest and answer these, and we have to follow God rather than men. Look at this statement. God ordained a weekly religious observance of Christ's death on Sunday. 
Is this true or false? If you go to the New Testament and to begin to read in the Gospels, you'll find toward the end of the Gospels, toward the end of Christ's life, that He ordained the Lord's Supper. And He left that for the church, for us today, to remember the death of Christ. This is what the Bible commands that we remember. Not on an annual basis, not on a quarterly basis, but we are commanded to remember this on a weekly basis. We find in Acts 20 and verse 7, not only do we have the command, but we have an example where those Christians came together and they observed the Lord's Supper. This is taught in 1 Corinthians 11 by Paul about how we should observe the Lord's Supper. It's amazing to me that we have a command to observe a weekly celebration of Christ's death Many people do not observe that, and yet multitudes observe and remember the birth of Christ on Christmas. They observe the death on Easter, and they disregard things that are commanded to obey things which are not found in God's Word. How are we to respond again to these issues? Did man ordain the weekly religious observance? He did not because that is found in God's Word. Remember, we look for His will here. Remember what Christ said in Matthew 7, verse 21? It takes more than saying, Lord, Lord, to enter the kingdom of heaven, but it is He who obeys the will of the Father, which, the Father which is in heaven. We need to make sure that we are practicing the doctrine that God has left for us. So as we summarize these statements, we see here that God did ordain a weekly religious observation or observance of Christ's death. Man is the one that ordained these other issues. What about the commercial aspects of some of these holidays? What about the momentum that we have in society that connects this religiously to something God has asked us to do? Do we honor Christ through Christmas if we elevate a holiday to the point that we make a religious observance that God has not commanded? Certainly we do not have the right to do that. The Bible is full of commandments and examples about the fact that we can't add to or take away from God's Word. Go back all the way to Genesis 4 and, and note the example of Cain and Abel and how that Cain added something or changed or substituted something for what God asked for. God was not pleased. Go all the way to the back of the Bible in Revelations 22 and read verse 18 and 19 where we're commanded we cannot add anything to or take anything away from God's Word. It is my conviction that December the 25th can be observed as a national holiday to visit friends and family and to do things that we might do on July the 4th or November the 25th, observing other things. But it becomes a violation of God's law when we establish a religious holiday that God did not establish. Please do not misunderstand me as individuals 
And as families, we can select times and places to get together and to have these type of uh, holidays. And certainly we should enjoy those things. They should be special occasions for us. And the principles of God's Word teach that, that we are to develop our relationships, especially our inner family relationships. But if we're not careful, we take a little twist on it, and things are adjusted a little bit, and then we go to an area that God has not authorized. The birth of Christ is a scriptural subject. The religious celebration of Christmas is not. So what we want to do this morning then is go to a text that is associated closely with the birth of Christ. And we want to look at this text and read it together. And we want to study some principles there that we can learn from. In Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 12, we will notice the wise men that came and worshipped Jesus. If you want to read this in your Bible, turn to Matthew 2. We have these 12 verses, or if you'd prefer to read it on the screen, we can read it from there as well. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people, Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also." When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy, and when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Notice in the beginning of verse 11 that this visit took place in a house. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. As we said, the miraculous virgin birth of Christ is a scriptural subject. It's a wonderful and joyous special occasion. The prophets foretold of this. Something that brings Jesus to this earth, Emmanuel, God with us. In connection with the birth, we find this account of these wise men that were from a faraway country in the east that came and they traveled and followed the star and came and inquired of Herod how to find this Christ. And eventually they came and they found Christ and they worshiped and they offered gifts to him. Again, a scriptural subject that we can study and learn from 
And some things that we can take away from this is the wisdom that these men demonstrated. And we want to think about this wisdom and we want to think about are we making these type of choices in our lives today? When we're exposed to these nativity scenes around this time of the year, we see these wise men portrayed in a manger coming and giving gifts. Generally, there's three of those wise men. We're not told in this account how many of the wise men were involved in this. We might suppose because there were three gifts that there were three wise men. But in fact, more of them could have given these gifts as well. We take for granted things that we see and are exposed to and maybe are not always relative to the account that we have in the Scripture. There's another account in Luke chapter 2 about some local shepherds that came to Christ and it specifically tells us that they came and visited Him in a manger. But in this account, we're talking about men from a, a foreign country who traveled a long distance. And the Bible says when they got there, they went unto Christ in a house. So evidently, this was a later time. These wise men did not visit Christ in a manger. We note that spiritual wisdom is very important. Probably nine out of ten lessons that are delivered from this pulpit cover some type, of some type of issue where we need to be wise. We need to be making good choices. Brother Craig talked last week about making changes in our life so that 2020 will be a better year for us than what 2019 was, and specifically that we will be closer to God. We have to use wisdom in all of the decisions that we make if we're going to grow, if we're going to be closer to God. These wise men who traveled to find Christ exemplified such wisdom. Number one, they were interested in Christ. This is an excellent place to start. They'd heard about Christ. They didn't take someone else's word for it. But they were so interested that they set out on this journey to find out who Christ was. It's always been wise to show an interest in Christ, to elevate Christ, to magnify Christ. The Son of God who came to this earth, and yes, He was born but he lived a life of example, and then he died. And in his death, burial, and resurrection, we have the true gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we observe the Lord's Supper. We observe his death, his burial, his resurrection until Christ comes again. We need to exercise wisdom in finding Christ. Not a Christ that is portrayed in some false way, through man's religion, but we need to find the Christ of the Bible. And if we're going to do that, we have to have an interest in Christ. Christ is our only means of salvation. Our worldview as Christians is different from many other religious worldviews because we believe the statement that Christ made in John 14 and verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. These men were not Jews. They were not of the tribe of Israel. They were Magi, which were some Eastern religion. 
They wanted Christ. They were so determined to find Christ. Why? Because they believed that knowing about Christ was valuable. That there was no other way to reach God other than through Christ. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5, Christ is our only mediator. For there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Sometimes we talk about the Holy Spirit who intercedes for us. But His role is not the same as Christ. Even though they both intercede for us, Christ is the only true mediator who understands what we go through. He pleads with God on our behalf because He came here. He was born a physical person. He did endure all of the pain and suffering and all of the temptation that we endure. No other person no other religion offers a Savior like we have in Jesus Christ. We need to be interested in finding this Savior and following His will in our life. Christ has all power. Matthew 28, verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. In John 5, verse 22, the Bible says, The Father has committed all judgment unto the Son. If all judgment is given unto Jesus, who else has judgment in that sense? If all power is given unto Jesus, who else has power in the sense that Christ has that power? Only one. Only Jesus Christ, our Savior. Christ never changes. Hebrews 13 and 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Everything around us changes. Doctrine changes. As men adjust doctrine to fit their desires, we've already talked about some ways this morning that men have affected doctrines. And they do this in every arena because men are fallible. Men make mistakes. We cannot follow men. We cannot follow their uh, religions that they've made to fill their agendas and their opinions. We have to go back to God's Word. God's Word does not change. We have everything we need, and it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ, the centerpiece of God's will, the centerpiece of God's doctrine, the centerpiece of everything that we stand for as children of God. We could give many more reasons why it would be wise to be interested in Christ, but these few are sufficient. What about these wise men? We've already stated that their interest was to such a degree that they were willing to search for Christ. A definite mark of wisdom. Some might know about Christ, but they're not interested enough to search. These men saw the importance of putting forth effort to go where the Lord was. They didn't stay where they were and listen to whatever they could hear there. They wanted to be with Christ. They wanted to be close to Christ. That is something that we should desire through our wisdom, through our relationship with God and His Son. Today, it still requires effort to find Christ. We have to go to God's Word. We have to study. We have to learn who Christ is. 
in what He has asked us to do. If we sit and wait for Christ to come to us in some miraculous way, then we will be no better than these wise men if they had sat in the foreign country and waited for the baby Jesus to come unto them. Matthew 13, verses 45 and 46, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Do we look at Christ and His church that He purchased with His own blood? Do we look at that as a precious pearl that's of greater value than anything else? If we truly feel that way, then we're going to do what it takes to go and find that pearl. And we, when we find it, we're going to cherish it. We're going to hold on to it. We're going to keep it near to us. Matthew 6, verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I truly believe if a person has a heart that wants to serve God, they're willing to put forth the effort to search for Him, that God provides, provides a way for us to find Him, and to find Him in the truest sense, where we can look at our life, we can compare to what Christ asked us to do, we can mold our life in the example that He left us, we can follow Him, and we can successfully live the Christian life. These wise men searched for Jesus. I ask you this morning, do you have the zeal and the concern that they exhibited? That's something we need to change if we don't have that. We talk about studying God's Word a whole lot. And the fact is, unless we're going there to search out Christ and learn who He is and to mold ourselves in His image, then our study is going to be fruitless. Some people go there and they get a lot of uh, enjoyment out of just looking at all the interesting things that are in the Bible. That's not wrong to do that. We need to have an interest. But the main reason we should want to go to God's Word is to study it so we can find Christ and we can follow Him. Therein is the blessings that we have as being members of the body of Christ that Lewis talked about in his prayer. All spiritual blessings are found within Christ. How can we be within Christ unless we put forth the effort to find Him? These wise men did not trust or expect others to search for them. Remember, Herod sent the wise men away with a request that we read in our text earlier. When they came and they asked for help how to find Christ, Herod said, you go find him and then you come back and you bring me information about where he is at. Herod was willing to let them go and search Christ out, but they didn't do that. They went themselves. Where do we stand from this perspective? Have we expected a parent or a husband or a wife or a religious leader to find Christ for us? If we accepted things that others have handed down, again, through our families or friends or preachers or other things that we've heard or seen, do we settle for that in our search for Christ? Or have we went to the Word and established our faith based on the Word of God? 
Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Philippians 2, verse 12. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Is that what we're doing today? 1 Peter 3, verse 15. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. When these wise men set out to find Christ, after they had found Him, they had worshipped Him and given gifts to Him, they could go tell someone else exactly where He was, how they found Him, what He meant to them. But that was because they went and found Christ for themselves. Herod couldn't explain. He had read the prophecies about Christ and that He would be born in Bethlehem, but he couldn't give any accurate information that would have helped people. We need to find Christ for ourselves, not only for our own benefit so that we know we're truly following Christ, but we need to be able to give an answer to others of the hope that is within us. What is the answer of the hope that's within us? Every time it's Jesus Christ, our Savior, our only way to our Father, our only way to eternal life. It's very foolish to be gullible about spiritual matters. We are taught in God's Word that there's many false teachings around us. John said, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. As these wise men sought to find Christ, I'm sure there was a lot of voices around them saying all kinds of things that they could have listened to. But they wanted to find what was real. Herod's motive for finding Christ was incorrect. He wanted to destroy Christ. He feared this new king would take his presence and his power, and he wanted to destroy Christ. There's people looking at God's Word with bad motives. We can get all kinds of advice from other people around us, other voices. We need to go to God's Word, and we need to build our faith based on what is reality, because there's many false prophets around us. We read of those in Scripture that did that very thing. The Bereans of Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. It says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. They didn't take someone else's word, did they? They listened. And my admonition to you today as you listen to me is not take my word for it. Take these scriptures. Study them. Take them home with you. If you don't understand some part of the message that I've delivered this morning, bless me with an opportunity to sit down and study with you to a deeper depth about these matters. Take these scriptures. Put them in context. Make sure that I'm not taking something out of context and delivering a message that is not from God's Word. That's our duty as individual children of God. That's what these Bereans were doing, and that's why they were commended in this passage. 
2 Timothy 2, verse 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Again, why do we go to God's word? Why do we develop a knowledge of what His will is? That's so we can obey. So we can do that for ourselves and we can do it for others who need to hear the story of Jesus Christ. We spoke about the opportunities that are going on throughout the world to plant, to water the gospel of Jesus Christ so that God can give the increase. What if our men were going out and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ without any true knowledge of the Bible? What if they went to another school that taught them other things, man's opinions outside the Word of God? Would their increase be from teaching the truth, and would they have what they were looking for when they followed that teaching? Of course not. We have to search out this Word. We have to understand it. We have to be able to articulate it. And we have to be able to share that with others. This doctrinal issue of a religious holiday called Christmas or Easter, do you understand how to explain that to other people that ask you about it? Can you articulate that to your kids? Or are we just going to let the momentum in society carry us wherever that carries us without waking up and going back to God's Word and looking at what it says? And that's one doctrinal issue out of thousands that we have to be aware of and that we have to take to God's Word so that we can make the proper decisions. Allow me to emphasize this for you today. No one can be saved for you. No one can worship for you. No one can shoulder your responsibility toward God. No one can answer at the judgment for you. Each one of us must have our own lamp oil. Remember the parable of Christ, the foolish virgins who hadn't brought extra oil, and when the bridegroom came, they couldn't go into the feast because they had to go find other oil. And when they came back, the door was shut. I fear that far too many people in religion today have not furnished their lamps with oil. They're not really prepared to face what life brings and to be prepared when Christ returns again. There's a great tendency in our world today to shift responsibility to someone else. To borrow the oil of goodness or the oil of faith or the oil of righteousness from someone else. Romans 14 verse 12, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Let us be wise, not blind, following any belief that comes our way without searching that out for ourselves. True wisdom exemplified by these men. These men were humble enough to ask for guidance. Sometimes we need to ask others for help. They did go and they inquired, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? And they got enough information that helped them along the way. They didn't have everything they needed, but they were humble enough to take that instruction and then they took it themselves and completed that search of truly finding Christ. When Philip approached the eunuch in Acts chapter 8, 
the eunuch was reading in the Scripture. And Philip asked him, Can you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I except someone explain this to me? We see that it takes a humility to honestly search, take help from others, never taking their word as the final word, but taking it to God's word to complete the search. These wise men were content with the light that God gave. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, "...in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine unto them." There was a physical light provided for them that helped them to find the way. Today that light for us is in the gospel. Are we willing to take that and be satisfied with the light that God has given to us? We mentioned that the world continually changes around us. There's lights flashing that get our attention. There's so many distractions in, in various places, and so we have to look for that true light, and we have to be satisfied with it. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, unto every good work. Therein is our light. Therein is our guidance. They listen to God rather than men. Remember when Herod was interacting, a very powerful king of the time, he demanded of these wise men when they found Christ to come back and report of that. Later on, they heard the word of God through a messenger said, don't go back that way. Don't take that information back. They had a choice. Were they going to listen to what God said or were they going to listen to what some powerful man had demanded of them? Acts 5 verse 29, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. There comes a time in every life when man asks, one thing and God asks another. And wisdom will cause us to choose what God said, to do what God asked, and not to follow after any man. These wise men did not stop until they found Christ. A lot of people start out on this journey, but then they are hindered along the way and they give up. And they take mediocrity for their religious foundation and they flow along with whatever feels good to them wherever their heart leads them. These wise men carried it all the way to the end. They didn't give up, and we can't either. In Galatians 5, verse 7, Ye did run well, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? These words should apply to us. We should think very seriously about how we handle finding the truth, and going to all the way to the end to find our Savior, Jesus Christ. When they found Christ, the record tells us that they worshiped Him. We need to worship God. We're in worship today. We follow these words of Christ in John 4, 23 and 24. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Finding Christ is not the end of our journey. 
but it's the beginning. When we find Him, we'll obey Him, we'll become His child, and then we will follow through on what He asked His children to do. And He wants us to worship Him. He wants us to gather and to do that in spirit and in truth. We mentioned earlier about how some people expect adjustments of our worship service to fit a trend, to fit a holiday, to fit something that is more entertaining or is more pleasing to men. If we're going to worship God in spirit, that's from the heart, we also have to worship Him in truth. We have to do both. And truth is found in God's Word. And what we've conducted this morning with singing and prayer, with teaching from God's Word, with observance of the Lord's Supper in a few minutes, the contribution, these are things that we find in God's Word, the Word according to truth. That's why we follow that. That's why we meet on the first day of the week, because that's the commandment. That's the example that we're given. And we intend to restore the New Testament church and to follow that pattern until Christ comes again, because that's what God has asked us to do. They prove their sincerity by giving to Christ. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gathering when I come. The Apostle Paul considered giving from the heart is a way to prove love and sincerity before God. He talked about the liberality of the Macedonian churches as he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And that's exactly the way he applied that. That as part of our service to God, He blesses us so greatly that we should, from the heart, want to give back according to the way that we have been prospered. We're to do that on the first day of the week. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. These wise men proved their love. They took some very precious gifts, the best thing that they could take. They didn't offer him scraps or leftover. Leftovers, they offered him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Some of the most precious gifts that could be found in that day. No doubt they planned all of this before even, even leaving home. It wasn't, a, it wasn't an afterthought, but it was something that they did deliberately and with purpose. And we need to approach that ourselves as the children of God, considering the same principles. What are we offering to the Lord that we claim to love so much? Whether we consider our time, our resources, our love, our heart, we need to sin sincerely look within ourselves and to answer that question. So in review, what were the characteristics of these wise men? They were interested in Christ. They were eager to search for Christ. They didn't expect others to search for them. They were humble enough to ask for help. They were content with the light that God gave. They listened to the voice of God rather than men. They didn't stop until they found Jesus. They showed their devotion through worship, and they proved their sincerity by giving to the Lord. I hope that we will take note of this wisdom 
I hope that we will implement these examples in our lives. I hope we will go to God's Word to determine doctrinal issues in our life and that we will all stay true to the pattern that God has set before us. If you're in the audience this morning and never named the name of Christ, we ask you right now to stop and to consider your relationship, how you would stand if Christ did come again. We encourage you to heed the example of the wise men to develop an interest in Christ and to pursue that interest to a point of becoming His child. If you search Christ out and you wish to be obedient in baptism, we would like to help you with that effort this morning. If you've been wise in your service to God in previous times, but you've turned away from Christ, you're not where you would like to be, you would like to have the prayers of the church to rededicate your life, or if there's any issue in your life that you would benefit from the prayers of the church, we would be willing and would certainly love to pray with you or to help you in any of these ways. We ask that you would come forward as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.